Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. Uh, you are listening to Trey Cashin here. Um, and I'm with Thaddeus Romanski again. He's here operating the board and actually um, look forward to having him in on this conversation. Um, Howdy, duty, Trey. How are you doing? I, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Just uh, it's drawn to an end the summer and uh, I look forward to like I, I know we had been Stephanie had been here and had been asked before. It, it sounds like she's told me she's she's now that everything's been moved here. She's going to be start coming back. So I'm happy to have hooray, to say hooray, she hooray. should be coming back on that. But um, I certainly want school starts. But today it's us, and uh, I'm excited about it. Um, we're going to talk about commitment and uh, deciding and everything that goes with that. Yeah, about that. But uh, before we do that, I'm we've committed since the beginning of the show to begin with this prayer. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth take its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pope St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Speaking of committed, we're also committed to the Brazos Valley Red Sea Radio Benefit Oh, yeah. Dinner. In October? October 19th. Thursday, October 19th. Write it down, baby. Yep. And we are going to have... The dynamic deacon, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Yeah, one of my if you favorites. listen to Catholic Answers, I'm sure you've heard him before. He is going to be burning up the building, talking about the rosary and Our Lady and renewing the family because our theme is Mary, Mother of the Domestic Church. Yeah, it's and beautiful. I, uh, we thought it was entirely appropriate in this year of Fatima to have that as the theme to honor her and um, invoke her intercession over the family, which is who we're committed to serving as religious education for the domestic church, is Red Sea. That's, um, what, that's, what we were, that's what we started. That's what we were founded on, right? That's exactly you, what we You founded. know that. Yes, you know so that. It. So this is all about her and all about asking her to bless the families of the Brazos Valley and to bless the continued growth of the radio station. So people can go to the website now, redsearadio.org, slash benefit, get a table or buy tickets and come out and, and hear a great, great keynote speaker, hear about what's happened in this last year and what we're looking forward to next and keep this train rolling. Yeah. Keep this, keep this radio, this radio station going. Because we're not just broadcasting to the the Brazos Valley anymore. Are we? No, we're not. We actually, we actually got two stations one in Waco, which is broadcasting at ninety eight point three FM. That's K Y A R. Mm-hmm. And then there's one at uh, in Palestine, one hundred seven point nine FM on your FM dial, and that's K I N F. Yes. Uh, also, you can listen on RedSeaRadio.org. That's right. Anywhere. Anywhere. Just uh, as long as you got an internet connection, mm-hmm. I guess, or data. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Might be a little expensive though, mm-hmm. but hopefully today well worth it. Um, because it's no it's, doubt. Hopefully, that's what we'll, we pray. We pray that uh, God will give us the words. But I was just telling Thaddeus before, for you listeners, before the show, that that um, it had been something that kind of been on my heart. I, um, trying to get at the heart of what what it means to be a parent, and and looking around and seeing uh, the struggles that people 
go through and what keeps coming to me both in prayer and, and really is um, I talk to people um, is, is the idea of commitment, the idea of being committed. Um, one of my favorite verses um, from all time is from, from Psalms, actually several verses, but I'll, I'll read them. It's, it's Psalm 37, uh, three through five. And it says, trust in the Lord and do good. So you will dwell in the land and be nourished in safety. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Those have always been words uh, for me that have, have encouraged me, have strengthened me. And I think, I think the idea of trusting, but ultimately making a commitment to God and commit whatever it is that I'm doing, and we've talked about that, that we really should start every day <laughs> and as frequently through the day as possible making that commitment to God, basically committing our day, all of our joys, our sorrows, our sufferings, our successes, our failures, all of our gifts and talents, our entire selves um, to God and offering it to him through the perfect sacrifice with the perfect sacrifice in the perfect sacrifice of, of Jesus, uh, what he made on the cross. Um, that's commitment because ultimately you want to see commitment. Um, there it is on mm-hmm. the cross. That's commitment both to Jesus who loves you and me and a commitment to his father. That's right. Um, and ultimately that's where we're called. It happens in the concrete. And um, we'd love to hear about your ideas oh yeah, on absolutely. commitment and any any struggles that you've had. Please call in today right. if you want so, to. And, that, and of course, that number is 85 Love Red Sea. That's 855 683 7332. We are taking uh, phone calls today and would love, and we're always better when we have uh, people jumping in. So if you have any thoughts on commitment and uh, how we can teach it to our children, what it is, um, where you've maybe even examples of it, because I think that's really important for us to to look at um, situations where people are committed. I think this culture is starving for commitment. Now we're not talking about people being committed to no, an not, insane not to, asylum. not to an insane asylum. Not, not that. No, that's <laughs> although not, it might feel that way sometimes yeah. in, a, in a big family. Well, sometimes you're committed, even though it may be like an insane yeah, asylum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. I don't know uh, if any of y'all. Sometimes it might there. feel like the inmates have taken over. Exactly, but you're still committed. Right. I, I think you know the the, bo- the bottom line is this sense. I mean, I, there's two things. That one 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 is uh, is kind of a joke that I used that I've heard. Um, I'll, I'll throw it out there, but but you can you can understand the difference between being committed and just being interested in something by looking at a plate of breakfast. Hmm. You got eggs over easy, and you got a nice chunk of ham. All right. Okay. <laughs> so the chicken is interested in breakfast. The ham is, com- I mean, the pig is committed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. You're all in. And right. I think it's actually summed up as from a Christian standpoint and from, from a Jewish standpoint by l- love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right. That is the essence of what commitment is. And as we were talking before and kind of keeping it in line with, with um, the deacon talking about Our Lady, um, she is a shining example of what it means to make a commitment. You know, on the, on the day that she was told, asked if she would be uh, willing to bear a son, not just any son, but, but actually the son of God, Jesus herself, she said, be it done unto me according to thy word. And that ultimately is a commitment without an instruction manual. It's a commitment without a lay it out. It's a commitment that says, you know Not what? a crystal ball. There's no crystal ball. There's no easy answer. It is, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in no matter what. John Paul II, I don't have it here, but, but, but one of the things I remember about his writings on Our Lady is that at the foot of the cross, she is she is merely being faithful to the commitment that she made 33 years prior. 
because that's what came her way. We need people. I need to be that type of person as a husband. Thaddeus needs to be that. We need to show our children that that there that, that sometimes the answer is just yes. There are no other options. I mean, I might have shared this story before about the day I got married. I can't I can't remember if I have or not. But tell it again. I mean, that's probably but, a new listener. Yeah. So so I, I the day I got married, I'm sitting there in the in the I guess it's the vestibule back behind. They can't nobody can see me, but I can look out. I could hear the music and I could see Stephanie's. Some of her family walking in. I remember vividly my my grandparents walking in down that. I'm just kind of glancing out, and my my dad, who was my best man, kind of just jumped in front of me. I'm like, Dad, hey, look, I'm I'm kind of want to watch this, and he's like, No, I need to give me give me your eyes. And I looked at him. I said, What's up? He's like, He's like, Trey, you see this back door right here? We can walk out this back door right now, and I'll fight our way back across the Sabine River to Texas. <laughs> No matter how many people married come chase it, they get married in Louisiana, and we lived, and of course, raised in, in in Houston. He's like, "I'll I'll go, we can go right now." And I was like, "Dad, no, I'm good." He's he's like, "Well, let me just tell you something. When you walk out these doors, and when you say I do, you're in. There's no out. So, and don't ever say I didn't give you the opportunity. But if you want out or you have any reservations, the time to get out." is now, not when things get tough, not when there's a struggle, not when you don't like her. <laughs> Once you say I do, you are. And I think that has always struck me and has really been something that, you know, through 28 years of marriage, it's resonated with me over time. I think that's the essence of commitment because he was not saying – this is what's going to happen. God was not laying out, these are all the things that are going to happen. In fact, as I, as I recall, there are plenty of things that have happened in my life that I was like, Lord, if you could have just told me that was what, I was going to, what was going to happen, I probably wouldn't have made that choice. I'm not talking about getting married to Stephanie, but like I quit a job, started working for myself, and then two weeks later found out we were pregnant, and about 10 weeks later found out we were pregnant with triplets. You know, it's not really a good idea to ever start a new venture <laughs> when when that is. And I'm like, hey, you know, I could have just stayed where I was or I could have found a job with real insurance, you know, mm -hmm. all those type of things. Yeah. And those are the type of things that I think God wants a yes and he wants us to trust in that he wants us to trust in that. Another image that I that I've always enjoyed talking about is is the image of the explorers coming across to the new world and and as I understand that I'm not a history I, I, there 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 are times when they would unload those boats, get people on shore, and then in front of them ignite <laughs> and burn the ships, which changes things pretty dramatically at that point when things get tough when something stands in your way the answer is i can't go back you know i can't go back to kansas anymore <laughs> you know i've got to keep moving forward or an, or another example of kind of that is you came over on the ship and you landed and then you basically you disassembled the ship and you used the oh, yeah. wood oh, yeah, to build a stockade and to oh, build wow. oh, a cool. home. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, to build a church. You'd use the sails to, you know, you used everything that was a part of that ship that got you to the new world to then establish yourself wow. on that new soil. And when you do that, that means there's no, you can't get, you not, can't go, not, you can't go back going, home. Going and, back. and I think, I think in society, you know, there's, you know, like on Facebook, I've always heard, I'm not a big Facebook person, but, you know, you get an invite or... Wise move. You know, you get, a, you, get an in, you get an invite and there's the, you know, the yes, the no, and the maybe. <laughs> and, and I think we're a maybe culture, you know? I think we've become a, you know, I'll see. We're so much a maybe culture that I'll see can actually happen after what used to be considered a commitment was made. I mean, just look at sports 
I mean, look at the examples that are out there for our kids in this culture. You know, somebody signs a contract. You know, for me, you know, it's football coaches or, or professional athletes. You know, they sign a contract, but they're very quick to walk away from it. There's no sense of I'm in this with you. And there's something unexciting about that, honestly. Exactly. I mean, there's something boring about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you watch, for me, it's sports. But it, say you watch this when basketball just happened. I mean, I don't know how much, you, but how much any of y'all are out there doing it. But what happens is, is it was almost boring to watch because what they did is they took all the. It's like the. It's like the um, on the playgrounds and at schools where instead of making teams even, the best guys on there they got on the same team, you know, and and they were going to win no matter what mm-hmm. because they were they were just better than. Everybody, there's something boring about that. They made a decision instead of sticking it out in the places where they were struggling. You know, like a Kevin Durant. I'm a fan of his, but he's at Oklahoma City. He wants to win a championship. Instead of fighting through where he was, what's the easiest thing to do? Well, I'm just going to bail and go to where it'll be easy. You know, LeBron James, you know, I'm just going to bail and go where where it's easier to go. Um, That's when he left Cleveland to go – to, to Miami. I think it also impoverishes, we're kind of getting a little bit of a tangent, but I think it impoverishes the game for our, our children. Right. Because I remember when I was a kid, it doesn't matter why. Anyway, I was raised as a Philadelphia Phillies fan. All right, yeah. Okay, always have been. Well, early 1980s, I mean, that's, that's Mike uh, Schmidt era. That's you know, good, that's the spent good his whole career there. Right. Basically. And, you know, that 1980 World Series, that was him facing off against George Brett, the great George Brett of the Kansas City Royals. Royals, And those were two towering figures of those two clubs. They had been with those clubs their whole career. Those clubs were defined by those two players. Those Those two two players were defined by those clubs, those cities. So it was this – and you you believed that Mike Schmidt was committed to – your team and he was committed to that city and and there was this um kind of nexus of love and admiration and you were disappointed when they failed and you were just ecstatic when they achieved and the same same for Kansas City fans and there's not that anymore when players it's move just- around and break contracts before those contracts end you know it's going to happen there's no sense of commitment to right. the fan base right to the team it's, to the and you're city. right it's and it makes it boring it's not it does there's not the same charm and and kind of excitement about sports it's, it's, it's so watching commitment i think it's a, it's an interesting to to see commitment kind of breeds commitment mm-hmm. i mean to to watch commitment play itself out lends itself to people watching and saying I'm willing to commit to that. Why are you going to be so, committed as a fan if you don't see the players being committed to your team? Or the owner being committed to the, I mean, it's it, it takes people saying, I'm willing to put in the effort, willing to go through the struggles, willing to fight the battles. And one answer that's not an answer is I'm bailing. That's, that's not an answer. <laughs> Everything else is I will fight. I will scrounge, I will do whatever, but it's going to happen here. It's going to happen together. Mm-hmm. And there's something that breeds commitment from others when they witness that. And there's and a lot of those athletes bail for they leave a team because for for more money, more money, yeah. more prestige or for that idea of greener pastures. They think that going to someplace else who maybe that team can assemble the right people together and then they can win a championship. And and those are very akin to why people don't follow through on their commitment to marriage. Absolutely. I mean, and it's or any commitment. It's always there's something better out there that I wasn't aware of or didn't foresee. Or it's way worse here where I am than I ever imagined it could be. And it, I, I just, if you think about 
the whole center of Christian, of what it means to be Christian is the cross, right? Salvation was through the cross. Salvation is through the struggle, the carrying of it, the pain, the commitment that says, I don't care how bad it is, I know what I have to do for the sake of those that I am meant to save. Speaking for Jesus on that, but I mean, ultimately, we're meant we're meant to mimic that. So I think ingrained in us is this sense of, I want to see commitment. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what's the heroic nature of martyrs, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, I, I don't follow Jesus because everything's going to work out the way I want to. I don't follow Jesus until it gets really hard. You know, the ones who speak to it, the heroic ones who speak to commitment, that's exhibited in and through the struggles. It's, it's, it's almost as if the struggles and the situation and the circumstances actually reveal the commitment. It's the, it's the stuff that signifies this person is really committed. <laughs> this person really wants to give themselves fully. It's the, the, the pig versus the chicken. <laughs> you know, it's the, I, I guess that wouldn't be, you know, Jewish. Anyway, forget. <laughs> I digress. But I think this culture is starving for commitment. I think this culture, I think not this culture, I think humanity is starving for commitment. And we live in a culture of no-fault divorce, of the maybe button on a deal, uh, I'll wait and see, instead of the answer being, I'm going to dive in. So like, let's talk about marriage. The, marriage, the, the vows themselves point to this reality, right? I will love you and honor you all the days of my life in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part. That's committed. So there's an aspect that I think that all of us need to realize that a commitment takes a public declaration. All right? It's not just something I do myself. I, I, I'm fascinated by and, and I'm struggling with, you know, trying to lay out plans and, and what, what am I going to do. And if you read most, most, most people about trying to accomplish something, what do they always say about your goals? Write them down, right? There's something magic about writing them down. It's not magic. It's a further commitment. It's a outward, I am now putting it on paper. And even more, they say if you'll share it with, with friends, you increase the, the likelihood of it occurring, of you being willing to fight through the struggles and the obstacles. The commitment comes prior to knowing even what those are, whether it's going to be, are we going to be rich or are we going to be poor? Are you going to be sick and I'm going to have to take care of you? Or are you going to be healthy? It, it comes before that. There is a loss as I look at people waiting and waiting and waiting to get married. There's a loss of an understanding that, hey, if I find somebody and we both can make that commitment, there's nothing that can come to us if we really not only say it, it it's, it's sacramental, to be honest. It's not, I mean, marriage is a sacrament, right? But what is a sacrament? There's always matter and there's always form. There's always the stuff. There's always the stuff, the punchable stuff. You know, as my teacher said, you know, be Catholic, it's be punchable. The punchable stuff and the words that articulate that. This is my body and a piece of what looks like bread. There is something communicated that both of those are meant to be together, to be human, is to articulate it, but then to play it out. Play it out. But ultimately, we can't know 
what it is. And the magic occurs when people make the commitment no matter what. And again, I'm using magic uh, in as figurative sense as possible. The beauty occurs, the truth occurs when people are willing to say, you know what, I'm in no matter what. I had a good friend that, that, that somewhere early in their marriage with their kids, I always appreciate it, he made wristbands for his whole family. And, it, and I forget, I think it had WI. It was before the, it was before the uh, WWJD. He, but he made, a, he made a bracelet that had some initials. But basically, when I asked him what it was, it basically said, whatever it takes. Mm. And they as a family, the kids and the kids, whatever it takes, we're staying together. And if you ask the guy, he said, that's the culture I wanted. Because I, saw, I grew up one where I didn't see whatever it takes as being what happened. And I recognized that it wasn't as beautiful as I saw in other families that did it. And I wanted it. But I needed to articulate it. I needed to have something that reminded me of it. It needed to be public. We needed to share it together in order to get it through. Yeah. And what does that mean? There's, you know, vision and action. I would, I've talked about that, but I think that's it. The stuff of every day can be very burdensome, right? In fact, there's bad things that can happen, awful things that can happen that not only makes it burdensome, it makes it just downright hard, difficult, unbearable. What gets you through that? What gets you beyond that? Well, I'm here to say I think part of it is that vision of we're meant to be together and this stuff, the circumstances I find myself in, are just the stuff that are going to make us come together. Like we do marriage prep stuff, and, and I always say there is very little difference between the marriages that do extraordinarily well and end up 50 years down the road and the ones that end in year seven. It's how you responded to the circumstances that came because infidelity, financial struggles, health issues, all those things are the things that do one of two things. One, either break up a marriage or strengthen it. What's the difference? The difference is, is how do the people respond? If you've burned the ship, if you said, I'm in and that's it, and you're both committed to it, then you just keep walking through the fire together until you get on the other side. The cross, the maybe generation, are the people at the foot of the cross saying, if you're really God, come down from there. Mm. That's the temptation. That's the maybe generation. Come down. Show us that we can get out. The real truth is, Salvation's on the other side. Easter Sunday's on the other side of Good Friday. That's the good news. That, that, that doesn't speak just to what happened 2,000 years ago. That speaks to the Christian life. The Christian life is for every Good Friday, for every amount of suffering, for every struggle, for every trial, for every time that somebody doesn't do what they're saying they're going to do is to say, I still keep moving forward and to commit to that, to burn the ship, to offer the entirety of my being as a pig would. <laughs> Those are, that's what we need today. So how do you do that? I mean, I don't know. Did you have any other? No, I mean, you're on? rolling. Keep going. Well, I mean, it's something that's just been on my heart because, you know, I wonder sometimes I mean, just whether it's work or whatever, I mean, anybody out there, I mean, please fill a call, share your struggles or what you've done. You know, the 855-LOVE-RED-SEA, I'd love to hear from you, 855-683-7332 for you that don't have the, uh, the letters on your, <laughs> on your phone, 85-LOVE-RED-C, that's R-E-D and the letter C. Um, I think it's so critical for us to recapture that and to, and to show. So how do you do that? I mean, uh, first off, you got to live it. You've, you've got to show that there's a time and a place 
there are times and places and circumstances that occur that the answer is I made this decision to do this and I need to see it through to the end. I, I, and so as a parent, I mean, I always, I always feel like we have to be an example of it, but we can't be afraid to actually explain it. Maybe not during the time, but to go to them and say, look, this has to be done. This committee I agreed to serve on, I need to finish serving it. Even though there's all these other things that have gotten in the way. Why? Because I said I would do it. My word is my bond. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. I mean, isn't it? I mean, a lot of it is you have to have a sense of, of honor that, that what you say you're going to follow through on. Um, that's not to say that there's the minutia of life where yeah, schedules can. change, calendar. I mean, there's some things where we're, we're not denying that. We're talking about the big stuff. Right. We're talking about the, um, the things where, people's trust and confidence in you as a person is on the line and where your um, your commitment to Christ as a as a disciple is is at stake you know mo- moral right. issues and i think you know the thing that i that i've noticed and maybe you've noticed this too is that anytime a sense of duty yes or a sense of obligation is that you're obliged to do it. Right. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't have an option. You have to do this. It's not demanded of many children these days. It's not demanded of ourselves. In fact, it's, ex- it's actually accepted that, hey, we need to get rid of duty. We need to get rid of obligation. Except, of course, when you're in a battlefield. Or except, of course, when you're in circumstances, we appreciate it. It's really convenient to say, Duty has no place, but we as parents have a duty to raise our children. We have an obligation by the mere fact that they've been given to us to purposely parent them. There's plenty of other places where we have duties and obligations, but I, but I think it's almost been extracted from our language, or at least the concept of you make a commitment, you have to do this. Is that your experience? Yeah. I mean... There is a maybeness, a wishy-washiness, a kind of way. Let's see how things go. You can always pull out if you if you want to. There's nothing beautiful about that. There's nothing sacrificial about that. And even people who might say that that's what they want appreciate seeing somebody who's willing to do something heroic. I mean, that's what sells movies. It's 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 kind of built into us. So, again, how do we how do we do it? Well, for like I said, example. I think another thing is is that 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 in appropriate circumstances, I think as a parent, it is your duty and obligation to demand it of your children. You know, there is a there is a uh, there is a sense in which I think we have to say there is something good about saying you need to be obedient to me and and do this as just a matter of self-will of I mean not of self-will a matter of exercising your will in the face of not doing something that you want to do in other words we are a culture and we are a people I think in humans in general are people who struggle with we like comfort we like to like what we're doing every moment of every day. We like it to be something that we can smile about. Well, guess what? That's not the way life is. I think it's important for us to raise our kids and point out the fact that sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes what you have to do is not what you want to do. (laughs) The trick at happiness is to recognize when you are in a position where you have to or you're obliged to that you recognize that for what and we've talked about this before for God's providence another thing that I've been reading is on trustful uh, trust in the providence of God and a sense that even in and through people who are let's only I've mentioned this one before but it's been a while 
St. Francis de Sales writes a book on discernment. And, and in that book, he points to the Holy Family in Nazareth, and he says, here is an example of what obedience, of what honoring a position and trusting in God's providence in and through those who were set over us um, is supposed to look like. He said, take the Holy Family of Nazareth. This is the Trey Cashin version, but it, but I think it accurately depicts what St. Francis de Sales says in terms of, of discernment. He says, look at that family. Who was the most perfect of those? The child. Jesus. Who was the sinless? Who was the most holy? Who was the, who was the one? Yet he submitted to his parents. Now, of the two parents... Who was the most perfect of the two parents? Well, Mary was. Yet she and Jesus both submitted to the least holy of the ones, the, the, the one of that's Joseph. And he says that points us to the fact that, that whoever is over us does not has got to be received as the authority that God has placed there. There's something providential about that person and that position that needs to be respected because of the position, regardless of whether that person is holier than you. And if God, if it's good enough for God to submit in obedience as a child to two of his creatures, that we should be willing to submit to our bosses to our parents, to the police, to whomever God puts over us. And that that in and of itself is a way of being committed to God in a sense, that we recognize that we can, or maybe it's not a good decision, maybe you disagree with the person who's over it, but there is something beautiful, there's something meaningful about still being committed to that person and that and that place of authority that God has put over you to say that. Uh, does that make any sense? That is a wonderful point. I think that gets, that helps to get us around, that, that might help people who are listening to um, think about, let's let's say, I'm sorry, I'm so, <laughs> I always am no. backing up when I'm talking on the radio people who might be listening that have come out of broken family situations. Right. Difficult parental, uh, difficult parental examples to follow. I think that could be something that could help them look at that situation in their life, ponder that situation in their life in a new way to be at peace with what they've lived through and maybe come back to a love and a and a commitment to the institution of marriage and an institution the institution of the family um that that maybe they haven't had or they don't they don't right. have i think that's coming from a saint that's coming from um a learned person who who's taking this great example from history and from theology and the human right. experience and really, and and drawing some real truth out of that, right? And I think that's that's what what we have to do. So we need to we need to St. Francis de Sales, you said St. Francis de Sales, and, and on discernment, it's a very short. It's really a, a a nice little piece. You could really knock it out very quickly. It's it's worth it's worth getting or finding somewhere. It's uh, St. Francis de Sales. I think it's on discernment. Mm -hmm. um, but again, there is this sense. That we, that we as Christians, because of the incarnation, because the, the second person of the Holy, Most Holy Trinity became, took on human nature, that there is real value, there is real um, strength in recognizing that the institutions that God has given us, the authorities that he's placed over us, in and of themselves, 
have value, even if the person that's placed in that is maybe not everything that we expected them to be and that we can trust that's hard, but that providential that we can trust in God's providence to do it. And so we need to, we need to, you know, we can teach our kids by, we've done it with, you know, talking about whether it's coaches or teachers or whomever that look, you owe them respect because why? Because of their position, right? It doesn't mean that you allow them to do stuff uh, bad or evil to you, but if it's something, even if you don't agree with it, the answer, because God has placed that person in that position over you, if it's a mere disagreement, the answer is God wants me to be obedient to that to that person. I think, for example, I mean, the great saints, St. Saint Louis de Montfort, the, the, the story goes, and again, this is part of that. He wanted to build, I don't know, where this was, but in, in a town he was, he wanted to build a, a, a like a reenactment of the of the Mount Calvary, <laughs> and and he went and he was had got everything together and was doing it for one reason or another. Somebody in that town didn't like it, who was wealthy went to the bishop, and the bishop said, "You need to take that down because this person, for one reason or another." Now again. Probably not spiritual motives. It may have been, I'm either going to give you money if you make him take it down. I don't know what the story was. Or I'm going to stop giving money if you don't get him to take it down. Probably not um, for any other reason than that. Goes to the saint, to St. Louis de Montfort, and says, that needs to be taken off. Now, you you can argue with it, but the beauty of the saint was he said, Yes, I'll do it. He 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 recognized the authority over him speaking to him, being committed to that authority and recognizing God working through that authority. That I think is critical to it. The beauty is is that after he died, the story goes, that bishop was replaced and some other Bishop was aware that that had happened, and, and almost immediately following, he asked for it to be put back up there. Mm. And so sometimes we tend to think that like we're the center of the universe, and even if we have the idea that God is giving to us, that God is able to um, work in and through the obedience to a position even if that position seems to be undermining or going against something that God wants. I love the scene both in the movie and in, and in the Bible of Jesus with Pilate and Pilate saying, don't you know that I have the power to kill you or to set you free? And what is Jesus's answer? You, you have that because the father has given it to you. You, you, Otherwise, you would have no power over me. So even Jesus there is saying, I recognize that even if you're evil, even if your intentions and your are evil, your power is something given to you from God who I am committed to, who I submit to. And because of that, God can use that obedience, even if the evil being perpetrated is through an authority that God has given. There's something mysterious about that, but we have to teach our children, I think, to recognize him. That's, you know, that's a thing it's hard to do. And, and, you know, there are people who are in authority over us and sometimes they say or do things that are against what we believe and why we should not, back away from calling it into question or drawing attention to it or even fighting against it, there is some aspect that says I need on some matters, even if I disagree, to submit to that authority, even if that person I don't like, even if that person is not a good person, and recognize that God can still work through that obedience that flows from that, from commitment. Because ultimately, 
you know, commitment lies in recognizing that somebody's committed to you, you know, that God has, God has committed himself to you, and then recognizing that that takes its shape in the everyday life. It's not just on the cross. It's in the everyday stuff that we have. Yeah, happened. and I think that's also where when we talk about commitment in marriage, I think we the natural tendency is to think in terms of the commitment you're making on the, the wedding day, and then sometimes you kind of think about it in terms of just you're committed for the, the whole time. So this very this very short span of time and this, and this one occasion and then this very long span of time. That's kind of how we right. conceive of it a lot of times. But there's a third reality or there's another reality in there, which is you have to be committed to your marriage the day you're married, the next day, the day after that. Right. Two weeks from then, four months from then, an everyday thing. You have to be committed every day to being married, to to making that act of the will when you get up in the morning. I think it's a great it's a great point. I think that to I think- love your spouse more and to die to yourself more. Absolutely. Which is incredibly hard. I mean, but if you take it like you, your point is, if you take it day to day, I think that's a th- the trick. I don't know. I get overwhelmed when I think too far out. Yeah, you know, when I think of that, I think I think you make a great point. And you know what? I actually some of the stuff that I read, you know, the self help books and stuff that you read, talk about just making a commitment to do today what you're supposed to do today in order to reach the vision. Mm-hmm. But don't focus on, I mean, Jesus says as much, right? <laughs> Let your worries for today be sufficient. The worry, the evil of today, the worries of today are sufficient for today. Um, so Jesus himself points us to, let's say, so what's the next thing I'm required to do? What's the next thing that my duty, my obligation, my commitment right. calls me to? And I do think that uh, in many ways, the communications media of our day and age right. makes it that much harder to to do that insofar as, one, it makes it easier to despair about the state of the world right. and forget that you don't really have that much control over things. Yeah. And... 20 you know your capacity to affect 20 years from now is very limited there's also no guarantee that the trend the trend line is going to stay on that straight line right. because we're talking about human beings human beings have intelligence they have yeah. the ability to think right. things can change trends can radically change right so you can't you can't despair also there's it makes it that much easier to have that greener pastures mentality that right what i'm what i'm having to deal with is terrible and why do i have to why do i have to suffer through this why do i have to accept this i've again there's i i don't know which saint this was but there was there was a there was the saint the story goes that it had a vision and was carrying a cross and and said i want a different cross i don't want this cross (laughs) and and in the vision jesus says well here come in here put your cross down and walks through the walks through the door and starts going through each of the crosses and and said and this one looks this is too heavy this is too much this is what and then goes through the whole thing and says well I'm going to take this little one picks up because that's the one you came in here with <laughs> i mean sometimes communicates two things we have to trust that god knows what he's given us and that we're capable of dealing with there is some aspect that's just got to be a matter of faith i'm committed to this cross because why because god has put me in it and if he has he does not give me more than i can handle that's part of it um but the other thing is is we can tend to think that things are better somewhere else 
And we need to just focus on what we can, control what we can control, which really we cannot control our circumstances. We cannot control anything. What we can control is our acceptance of, our commitment to, what we're obliged to our duty, and then just to say, I'm going to do the next thing I need to do. I had a good friend that was so overwhelmed, and, and, and he taught me that. He said, when I'm overwhelmed, I just say, what is the next thing I need to do? And then solely and completely focus on that next thing. When I finish the next thing, I go to the next thing. It's like, you know, that's how we stay true to our commitments. That's how we stay. That's how we do it. We need to teach our kids that, that a commitment is a moment to moment. It's not Mm -hmm. 20. Oh my gosh, it's 20 years. It's the next 20 seconds. Am I doing the right thing? We must remember too. That we're committed to that we're, ending we're, on time. We're right? committed to ending on time. <laughs> uh, well said. Uh, yeah, but uh, a nice segue, right? Well, anyway, I'm sorry nobody called, but um, but I'm I'm glad that we had this chance to talk about it. Hey guys, just go out there and 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 I think look for opportunities to show what commitments about. If you have some movies or shows or or just stories of what commitments like, maybe a grandparent or somebody, share those with your kids. Um, and just let's turn this culture around based on uh, living out commitments again. So as we always say, uh, pray, parent with purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.